welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is bill ham from broadwell property group welcome bill thanks thanks for having me Sure. And a little bit about Bill. Bill Ham is an author, a real estate investor, a sought-after speaker, and a coach and mentor to future titans of multifamily housing. In his current role as the Chief Operating Officer of Broadwell Property Group and his many years of experience in owning, managing, and operating large and small apartments throughout the Southeast United States. There is very little that he has not experienced. While Bill spends much of his time identifying, acquiring, operating, and diversifying assets for Broadwell Property Group, his real passion lies in education. He has been a coach and mentor to hundreds of students who have gone on to close countless millions of dollars in their own deals, many crediting Bill with their success. With that, Bill, would you like to add anything to your background? No, I appreciate it. So that's pretty good. Well, I guess actually the only thing I would add to that is I completed my first 402 unit portfolio using only creative financing, match lease options, seller financing, but I was able to build a portfolio of a little over 400 units without traditional lending. Sure. So we'll go deep into that uh, creative financing part later. So how did you get into real estate, multifamily or why? What is the reason? I saw friends of mine flipping houses back in 2003, 2004 and I saw them doing it and thought they're just friends of mine and and they're no better than I am so if they can do it I can do it and uh so I decided to study for about a year reading books and uh you know all the information I could gather and then I just took a leap of faith I did my very first deal duplex and uh just went for it so I saw other people doing it and I can do it too cool cool and you have corporate experience corporate pilot correct how did you go from corporate pilot to operating thousands of apartments Yeah, I just quit. Now my very first deal was a duplex and uh it was cash flowing about 300 bucks a month and I had saved up about $10,000 to my uh, life saving and I turned in my two week notice and just went into real estate full time from corporate aviation uh with 10 grand and a duplex. Just got out there and and figured it out and flipped houses and did small single family properties for uh, about 3 years and then um uh, eventually moved up into the apartment commercial space. Got it. And would you share any of your one breakthrough moment? Well, I'd say the first deal was the breakthrough moment. That's the one that uh, launched my career. You know, I I it took time to just get brave enough, I guess is the word I'm looking for, to finally do that first deal. You know, once I did my first deal, then the rest of them came easier. So it's really about that first deal. You just got to get started and, and get in the business and and that's what I did. Awesome. And what's your investment philosophy? Well, I'm not sure that I can really put that into one point of view. My investment philosophy if I had to to pick one would be today moving towards a flight to quality. That that would be our investment our strategy right now at Broadwell Property Group. We're looking at newer buildings, newer properties and I am avoiding older assets at the moment. Um I believe that that market is overpriced and the returns are not being projected accurately in the affordable housing space. So my model is to to stay in the newer assets. 
Got it. And you have got, I mean, solid experience in market cycles. So would you share your insights about market cycles? What indicators we need to aware of, you know? Yeah, a market, there's four different phases of a market cycle, and, and that's the recession, expansion, peak, and uh, trough. And, and so just kind of imagine that wavy line. I believe today that we are sort of at the peak or, or have passed the peak of a market. Some of the indicators that you need to look at for some of these things are, are cap rates, uh, returns being produced in business. And that's one of my major concerns uh, right now with some of the affordable housing spaces, the returns are too low. And when the returns get too low, they start to compete with other investment models, such as the stock market. And, and so right now, I'm afraid that a lot of the assets are not producing returns that are competitive with other asset classes. So what that means is we're not going to see a, a decline in pricing of multifamily. I don't believe that's going to occur. What we're going to see is a slowdown of, of transactions as people have to hold on to these properties longer in order to allow the rent to finally make sense of the price that they paid. So I think we're going to see people holding assets for longer uh, in the next five years than we have over the last five years. Got it. And how can you tell like when the market has peaked? Well, you look back and go, oh, there it goes. There's no way. Nobody can time it perfectly. All you can say is, you know when the market peaked when you look back and say it peaked that day. So we don't really know is the answer. But I think that we're in that range today. One thing you want to watch is debt, not interest rates really, but the availability of debt. It's pretty available today, but I believe over the next uh, year or two, you're going to see debt starting to, to really tighten up. Again, not so much an interest rates just in the availability of lending. I think that's what is a big indicator to watch. When you see debt tighten up, that's going to uh, mean the market is, is declining because the lenders are the ones that actually dictate the market cycles. So when the lenders start withdrawing financing, that's when you'll, you'll see you know, a shift downward. Got it. So how does operating in an expansion differ from operating in a recession? Okay. In the expand, well, I would say it's largely, the answer is largely in the type of returns that are created. So in the expansion market, typically a lot of your returns are going to be based more on appreciation, some cash flow, but you can really get great appreciation and capital gains in the expansion market. But in a recession or a declining market, you need to be more focused on cash flow. And so therefore you need to be careful about the price that you pay so that the property actually produces cash flow if the values are going to kind of hold flat or maybe even decline a little. So that, those are the two big differences. You can be more speculative in the expansion market because the market is rising and it will help cover mistakes if you make any. But in the recession market, you have to be much more focused on your underwriting. You know, you really don't want to buy on projected rent growth and things like that. In a recession market, you want to be buying not on performa, but on actual numbers and, and buy with the price that allows for good cash flow. Those are the main differences. Uh, that is so thoughtful. And you mentioned you have experience in creative financing and you know non-traditional financing. When we need to go for non-traditional financing. Yeah, gotcha. So you will typically use creative financing of some type, and that can be seller financing or lease options or mass lease options, different structures. You're typically going to do those kind of deals when a seller has a 
problem and your offer solves that problem. So that's the real answer is it's not really about, it is about market cycle because the market cycle can add problems. But sometimes people can have problems in a good market. Um, it's not always a real estate problem. Sometimes a seller has a personal problem. They're just burned out with being a, a landlord or operator. They have something going on in their life, whatever the case. So it's really about talking to and getting to know the seller and finding out how you can bring value to the seller. And you bring value to the seller by solving a problem and, and you use creative financing to solve a problem. The major problem I believe sellers are going to have over the next one to three years is debt. There's going to be two major debt problems. Um, number one, I'm predicting that as these buildings get older, uh, lenders are going to be tougher on the loans. And so that's going to make some sellers uh, have problems or need to use some sort of creative financing to get out of those loans. The second area, and, and we're seeing this occur right now, is sellers that bought properties one to three years ago, two, one to two years ago, and they went out and got a Fannie or a Freddie loan, agency debt, and they didn't realize that that came with a big prepayment penalty. And now the property is not operating as well as they like. And so their solution is to just sell it, but they can't because they have a big prepayment penalty and they can't get out of that mortgage. That's something we're seeing occur right now. And I think that market is going to create a lot of opportunities for uh, lease options and for operators who are, are good at running multifamily. Cool. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And how to get into a deal financed? How do we get it? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. So what is your favorite method of none? Yeah, my favorite method, um, a seller financing. I, I think that's the, the best one. I like seller financing. Um, I, it's the safest of the creative financing uh, strategies because the seller is acting like a bank and you're actually taking title on the property. So you're in the safest position with seller financing. So that's my favorite take. Got it. Thank you. And would you share your company's acquisition process, business plan and exit criteria? Yeah. Right now we're looking at A and B assets, which are newer properties. They're going to be very key locations. Um, so we're, we're not going out into tertiary markets. We're staying in the main primary markets. Those properties are going to produce great tax incentives and they're going to have great appreciation, but they are not going to produce heavy cash flow for the first one to three years. So it's going to take a little while for those assets to create cash flow. They're long-term holds, five to seven years. And you know, we work with investors that are looking for that long-term wealth creation, not short-term cash flow. Got it. Yeah. And the exit will be a, a refinance or a sale, typically. One refinance. Well, let me let me rephrase that. We may be looking at mostly sales. I don't know that we'll be able to do a lot of refinancing over the next couple of years, but um, you know, five to seven year hold and then we'll exit the asset. Okay, got it. How about business plan point of view? Business plan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, to, to buy these assets, we syndicate uh, our deals. We bring on limited partner investors. And we use that money for the down payment. And we're going to buy these you know, B-class, A-minus type properties. And we're going to hold and operate for the next five to seven years and then sell. Got it. Yeah, thank you. So would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far? 
Ooh, best multifamily investing experience. Um, yeah, there's been several. Probably one of the best deals I did, we doubled our money in 18 months, uh, 100% return in 18 months. Um, that was a deal I did about five years ago. and Well, bought it about five years ago and sold it about three years ago or so. Uh, it was a big renovation project. Was able to, to get some seller financing. I went in and renovated a 197-unit property. And we got the rents up. We renovated the property and we were able to, sort of flip it within about two years and uh, doubled our money. So it's a really, really good project. That's outstanding. And would you share any of your worst or challenging experience? Any, any deals? Yeah, probably the worst experience I've had, or one of the worst experiences I've had, there's been a few. I lost $150,000 in earnest money once. So I went in to syndicate a deal and I put down $150,000 in deposit and failed at raising the money. So I, I was newer to doing syndication. I didn't have a, a lot of investors. I didn't have a very big database and uh, fell short in the raise. And I actually lost the 150000 in earnest money. So that was a bad afternoon. Got it. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Sure. But I recovered. In six months, I made the money back. So I'm good. Yeah, sounds good. And what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? Yeah, again, current focus is, is multifamily, but looking at newer multifamily assets. Yeah, I'm excited about shifting business models and, and working with higher net worth individuals over a long period, uh, you know, going into a hold window. So we're going we're gonna to go into a, just a hold and operate window for the next five years. But I believe at the end of that market cycle, uh, we're going to have a, a really large portfolio of, of high class assets that uh, will bring a lot of profit in, in the long term. So excited about that. Awesome. So any one advice that have impact on you? Yes. Actually, one of my first mentors in business gave me a really good piece of advice I'd like to share with everyone. And, and what the gentleman told me was to always cover the downside. The upside takes care of itself. And that's something that I've realized I think a lot of people don't understand in business is they're always looking at, at the ways they can make money and all the things that can go good and go right. When in reality, we need to focus on the things that can go wrong and have a contingency plan for anything that can go wrong because the stuff going right, that takes care of itself. You don't have to worry about that. You only have to worry about the downside and you need to have these plans in place prior to the event occurring because once something happens, once the wolf is at the door, it's too late. So you really need to, to have a strong exit strategy as part of your deal analysis. You really need to know uh, what things could go wrong with your investment and you need to have a, a written strategy to exit the deal profitably and to mitigate any, any issues that may come up. Got it. So any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah, I like to read. I read and study a lot. I get up and read the Wall Street Journal every morning. So I think that uh, is something that everybody should do is, is to really uh, stay current on world events, know what's going on, uh, not only in your area or your country, but all over the planet and to really stay current on, on trends and what's going on. That's helped me out tremendously. Um, you know, if nothing else, if you read the paper every single morning, it'll give you something to talk to people about besides the weather. You know, I you want to be able to carry on on a conversation with a new person or a new contact or a new investor and, and be able to carry on meaningful conversation, not just uh, fluffy, you know, let's talk about the weather kind of conversation. So I, I find the more in tune you are with global events, uh, the better you are at networking and the better you are at conversation. So I would say uh, read on a regular basis. That's my tip. 
cool and share one personal learning that has played a part in creating massive impact and powerful shifts in your own life yeah i would say probably getting used to failure <laughs> that's what i think most people myself included need to come to grips with is is that business is predominantly failure people don't understand that you know that you actually get it wrong the majority of the time once you get it right then then you don't ever have to deal with it again you know so you have to understand that business is practice and and success takes practice and practice means failing until you stop failing so i think we all need to be prepared to tolerate failure on on a daily level to ultimately gain success awesome thank you so any one book that impacted your life and what way Yeah, I like to uh read uh, Machiavelli the Prince. I I'll, I'll say that. Uh, the Prince by Machiavelli. It's a, you know, a several hundred year old book. I think it's been greatly misunderstood. I think everyone should go back and reread that book except if you read that book, read it like the author, you know, Nicola Machiavelli is talking about a business instead of a kingdom or a king and think about yourself as sort of a CEO or a company leader. and read the book from that perspective as if the author were talking to you about running a company not running a kingdom and i think you'll get tremendous value out of that uh, that old book awesome and how are you giving back to community bill i would say probably my biggest give back is is doing things just like this teaching education you know speaking on podcasts and and uh, just helping others become successful in real estate as well Cool, cool. And how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll give you my email address. It's bill at gobroadwell.com. And Broadwell is B-R-O-A-D-W-E-L-L. So bill at gobroadwell.com. Uh, that's my email address. And if you're an investor looking to do business with myself and my company, go to broadwellpropertygroup.com. Uh, it's BBG, broadwellpropertygroup.com. We have a slot for uh, investors. All you have to do is click on the link and fill out some information and we will be in touch with you directly. Sure. And thank you. Thanks, Bill. Uh, thanks for adding value to the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.